Welcome to another edition of the Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm joined by uh, ESPN Cricket Info journalist Peter Della Pena. Thank you for joining me on the podcast here. Pleasure, Ian. Pleasure. Uh, we are in a very, well, now heating up scorer's box at the Grange. It has been an abotic <laughs> last uh, hour or two hours watching the Scotland team train. Uh, always a pleasure being back in Scotland, isn't it, Peter? I made sure to retire my wide-brimmed cowboy hat in favor of my New York Mets winter beanie to prepare myself for the elements here in Edinburgh. <laughs> to describe Peter's outfit, he is about four layers deep with uh, with gloves on and a hat inside. And when he was outside interviewing <laughs> the players, uh, I've never seen a, more, a journalist more freezing on a cricket pitch, but it's May, it's, it's Scotland. Anyway, you're, you're joining here, it's just a little short chat here, we are on the eve of two ODIs against Afghanistan, so it's good to have a bit of international cricket back at the Grange ever since the uh, ODI against England last year in the two Pakistan's uh, T20s. Uh, but, Pierre, tell us your thoughts ahead of these games. Uh, this uh, The Afghanistan side, we are missing a couple players, but as a journalist writing for your site, what are you thinking with the upcoming games? Well, it's a shame we've had to wait this long. For cricket to come back to the Grange after just a historic occasion last June against England and then the two T20Is as well against Pakistan, Scotland, and so many other associates are always crying out for more opportunities and it's taken almost 11 months for that to happen. Absolutely. But uh, fantastic visit by Afghanistan on the horizon. They were last here in 2016, the year after the T20 qualifier that Scotland hosted. They played two T20 or two ODIs, excuse me, against Scotland here at the Grange. And one of those matches was rain curtailed. Ramat Shah scored a century and Najibullah Zadran scored a blistering half century. He was on course to break the fastest ODI century for Afghanistan 89 not at off 53 balls and he sent quite a few over the retaining wall on Port Gower place onto the Edinburgh Ackies rugby pitch yeah and uh, it was a hellacious display of hitting that he had cut cut short and then the next day much more competitive showing by the Scotland bowlers but Equal to the task, Rashid Khan on, the, on that occasion and Muhammad Nabi split five wickets between them. And what was a decent-looking chase with Craig Wallace and Matthew Cross fizzled quite quickly. And tomorrow, you're not going to have that battle to contend with. There's going to be no Rashid Khan and no Muhammad Nabi. They're busy at the IPL with Sunrisers Hyderabad so can you can you blame them can you blame them picking the the the, the glory and the glitz and the glamour of the IPL compared to a dreary uh druid scottish may day looking out the window at this great cloud it's horrible well rashid actually told me a few years ago his favorite touring destination is actually edinburgh he loves coming here oh well, there you go it's a fantastic place but when you weigh up the just the raw temperature of Vizag, where they're going to be playing their playoff match, <laughs> versus the the what's shown on the thermometer at the moment, I, I can't fault them for staying behind. And the third member of that spin trio, Mujibur Rahman, he's late arriving after his season concluded with Kings Eleven Punjab on Sunday, 
So he's also not going to be here. And when you think about the fact that Scotland won quite convincingly in Zimbabwe last year at the World Cup qualifier when Callum McLeod scored that famous century, Scotland beat them with those three guys in the lineup. So without them, you would even potentially put Scotland as favorites heading into the match, the first match here at the Grange. Well, I was about to ask, in, in terms of looking at the team sheet, so we're missing three key Afghanistan players, but Scotland go into this this, this squad with with tough choices to make, and the, the, the uh, team won't be announced until tomorrow, but it, it, Scotland must be firm favorites against this side, or, or is that too strong of a statement to make? Well, when you consider the firepower that Scotland has, especially on the batting side, this is generally uh, a good scoring wicket at the Grange. And Kyle Kutzer's been outstanding ever since taking back the captaincy when Preston Mumson retired. He's been in fantastic form in the last couple of summers. You take a look at Cal McLeod and what he's done as the Associate Cricketer of the Year with his centuries against Afghanistan and England in the last year. And then, almost flying under the radar, George Muncy. I was about- is just destroying everybody left, right, and center. Going back to the T20Is in the Netherlands last summer, in Oman, he was just ferocious the way he took on bowling attacks. No mercy when he comes to the crease, regardless of the stage of the match. And you have somebody else like Craig Wallace, who's got his various array of sweeps and reverse sweeps and switch hits, and they're just so dynamic going completely against the stereotype, the old stereotype of what Scotland teams used to be. That hasn't been the case in the last four or five seasons. But that is still something in some quarters they might be fighting to to erase for people who are not as familiar with the Scotland team. And when you have an Afghanistan team coming in out of of the warmer training camp that they had in, in South Africa and cold conditions, Scotland playing in home conditions with the the firepower that they have in the batting, they taking on a, a team that's going to be without those three key spinners, Scotland has every opportunity to, to pull off another few scalps against full-member teams. So who are the players to watch out for Afghanistan tomorrow? Who, who are the ones that we think... Uh, in your and pardon me, in your in your mind, do you do you think we'll be um, scoring the runs or getting the wickets? Well, the number one player I've got my eye on over the next couple of days is Hamid Hassan. Haven't seen Hamid Hassan since 2016. He played, well, he was in the 11 for one of the two ODIs, the the one that was actually rained out, so he didn't actually bowl a ball in 2016 in that two-match series here at the Grange. But last played ODI cricket against Ireland that same summer in 2016. Hasn't played a a true competitive match since 2017. And he's almost a forgotten man in Afghanistan's rise Uh to test status. Everybody in recent times associates Afghanistan's upward trajectory with Rashid Khan and Mohammed Abi because... They're the guys who are in the IPL. Those are the guys who are getting all the headlines and and the big bucks, the big contracts, the big auction prices. But Hamid Hassan, if he had not struggled with injury over the last five, six, seven years, he might be bigger than both those guys combined. I mean, that's how phenomenal and, and that's how impactful he was 
in that time frame from 2008 to 2010, 2011, when they were going from Division Five in the World Cricket League all the way to ODI status in the span of, of uh, 14 months. And so to have him back, have somebody who has the skill that he has, who can bowl when he was at his peak, he could bowl 140 kilometers per hour, and he could move the ball both ways, swing and reverse swing. He was incredible with the old ball coming back to the death. Even if he's remotely close to the form he had at his peak, he's a threat to contend with, and it's somebody to keep an eye on, not just in these matches here at the Grange, but leading into the World Cup and at the start of the World Cup. It, can he maintain his fitness? And if he can, he adds another weapon that Afghanistan maybe didn't perhaps feel they had as a luxury two or three months ago. And in terms of Scotland, I mean, Brad Wheel's back in a Scotland jersey, and we haven't seen him since Zimbabwe, since the World Cup call-up. Tom Sowell is getting a, a feature in a Scotland jersey as well, and again, he was injured through the summer last year with an ankle injury, so we couldn't exactly see him in a Scotland jersey. We've got two youngsters coming back, and, and they're going to play an impact possibly in team selection. Well, when you mention those names, that also highlights whether you're a Scotland observer or an outside observer, the depth, yes. the strength and depth that Scotland has experienced over the last few years. When they beat England, they didn't have Brad Wheel. They didn't have Tom Sowell. Mm. Preston Mumson, not there. Nope. Okay. And these guys have been major players in recent times for Scotland. So some people might have said, oh, well, England wasn't with Joss Butler, there was no Ben Stokes. Scotland had quite a few significant names missing as well. So that that just shows their depth and their squad strength that has been enhanced in recent seasons. And now that you have them back, that also gives them a leg up heading into this series. And in terms of Shane Berger, this is his first uh, outing with the Scotland side, with the national side on home turf. Uh, what have you been? What's 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 been your been you been your impression of, of Shane observing uh, today at training? You know the, the the team vibe and they all getting along, playing their football and doing their net sessions. What what do you think the impact he's already had on the team is? Well, it's just more than anything to keep things light, to keep things relaxed, to remember where they've gone and and where they still have to go and. In some ways, coming in after Grant Bradburn, people might have high expectations after the job that, that Grant Bradburn did, but there was a very good transition, if you will. Toby Bailey in charge as an interim coach, and Toby Bailey still part of the setup, made things go along seamlessly through the transition. He was overseeing the team in Oman in February while Shane Berger was, was yet to make his arrival from South Africa. And the ship kept running. And so it, it took some of the pressure off the players and also the incoming coach, Shane Berger, that the engine's still running, everything's going smoothly, and he just has to keep things going in the right direction and not, not feel the need to reinvent the wheel with, with this Scotland setup. They're on the right path. He just needs to keep them going forward. To cut this short, just because we're, no, 
we don't want to spend too much time in this freezing scoring box. Uh, it's always it's always a terrible question to ask, but um, in terms of score predictions, what are we thinking in terms of the series? Well, it depends on how much overs are, are how much are rain is going to fall. <laughs> We're trying not to chat about the weather, but everyone's been glued to the weather channel or BBC weather over the last uh, the last um, couple of hours, just seeing how the weather's fluctuating from ten percent downwards, maybe ninety percent rain chance to eighty percent rain chance. But if we do somehow miraculously in the Scottish May uh, get uh, fifty overs played um, in each innings, what are we thinking? Well, Scotland. Again, based on the past couple of summers, 310-320 should be something they should be aiming for or whoever's batting first. Well, it is at that point now with the batting lineup that Scotland need to be aiming for a 250-plus score every time they go out for an ODI. Well, if you're making 371 against England, you better not make anything less than 300 against <laughs> Afghanistan or Sri Lanka coming in in another week or so or later in the, the summer, they start the... Cricket World Cup League 2 in Aberdeen against associate competition. So the bar has been raised, and it's almost in a similar sense to Kevin O'Brien after he made his 50-ball century in the World Cup. Everybody's now expecting Kevin O'Brien to score a century every time he walks up to that. (laughs) So when you make 371 a record score in an ODI for Scotland, anything less than 300 is going to look meager. And... The Grange has always been a, a very good batting wicket. It's a fast outfield. And what even if there is rain, one of the things that's very underrated about this facility is that in a climate like there is in, in Edinburgh and Scotland in general, very few games actually get rained off here. Mm. That series in 2016 against Afghanistan, that was actually the last time there was a no result at this, at this facility. When you had the series against Zimbabwe and... UAE games against Namibia, uh, England fixture, Pakistan matches, they've all been played to a conclusion. So as long as it's not heavy tomorrow, as long as they can get on the field, even if they get on the field and they get started, if it's just a light drizzle, you're able to play through that, and the drainage here is fantastic. Mm. So if if they can get through that, get the overs in, uh, hopefully it'll be a, a very exciting match. You've got the the explosive firepower, obviously, with the Scotland guys we've mentioned, but you've also got another guy who's very exciting to watch, Hasratula Zazai, new opening what batsman. What a name. What a name. Six sixes in an over in the Afghan Premier League in October. So he did a Munzee. He, yes, yes, he, he did. did a Munzee. <laughs> uh, he emerged onto the scene through through that performance, and he's been belligerent at the top of the order for Afghanistan, who scored an incredible century in a T20I against Ireland uh, earlier this this spring, winter, spring, and uh, he's he's somebody who's fast rising on the scene for Afghanistan. He's only 21 years old. And then you've got Mohammad Shahzad, who's everybody knows all about him and his exploits over the last six, seven, eight years, and plenty of other names. Najibul Zajan, one of my favorite players. I call him half man, half amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> because he just does some incredible things uh, skill-wise. That for a guy his size, the power that he generates is just incredible to watch. And, he, again, he scored that 89 out of off, off uh, 53 balls here at the Grange 
back three years ago. So there's there's no shortage of firepower in their lineup, and hopefully it'll be an entertaining match with plenty of runs and, and plenty of wickets too. So a skull, a skull prediction. Off. <laughs> if you get 50 overs in here, I think 320 is par. Uh, anything anything short of that, you might struggle to defend, but we'll see what happens when, when the guys take the field. I love it. And and you kind of touched upon it, but uh, you know, you make your almost annual visit to Scotland. Well, what's it like for you visiting Edinburgh in, at this time of year? Well, this time of year, any time of year. <laughs> this is, this is uh, honest to God, Edinburgh is my in my my top five favorite cities in the world i i grew up in new jersey i grew up about 40 minutes from new york city and new york city will always be number one for me but settle as a true new yorker <laughs> oh I, got, I gotta say i'm a true <laughs> new jersey and new jersey I'm not, I'm not gonna poach <laughs> no go. po- poach uh, claim to be a new yorker in there, across but across the hudson across the hudson exactly um but new york is always going to be number one for me i'd put melbourne and edinburgh Along with maybe Musket, and I'd have to think harder about a, a fifth city. But but Edinburgh is just a fantastic place. So much character in the city, so much authenticity. It's just such a unique identity that you really don't get anywhere else in the UK, in my my opinion. A lot of the other cities down south of the border oh, are <laughs> I, what I would call cookie cutter cities. You you take them out, uh-huh. and you could fit them in in a whole lot of countries, and you wouldn't notice any difference. But Edinburgh is just so unique and it's just got uh, a fantastic rustic feel. And I love coming up here and it's one of the reasons why I do keep coming up here. It's just because it's just such a fantastic place, not just to cover cricket, but just fantastic place to be in general. That's lovely. Melbourne has the MCG and we have the Grange. Uh, so thank you, Peter, for joining me on the podcast. We've got two ODIs against Afghanistan coming up on the next day. And be sure to check out our Podbean website for the podcast. You can hear Jake Perry and I chat and preview the season, not just the international scene, but the women's regional series, as well as the men's regional series and all things cricket coming in 2019. Thank you again, Peter. Pleasure is all mine, Ian. And uh, catch you guys later.